everyone, it's Andrew and Kyle. Today we will be interviewing Dr. Robert Kramer. Dr. Kramer is both an associate professor and the director of the preclinical faculty at Midwestern University, Arizona. He earned his DMD from the University of Pittsburgh and developed a thriving group practice before joining Midwestern in 2010. Dr. Kramer is interested in business ownership, patient relations, and organized dentistry. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Kramer. It's my pleasure and honor. Thanks for asking. So, Dr. Kramer, you have been at Midwestern for almost the entire time Midwestern has been a dental school. So we're just curious, based on your experience, what makes Midwestern different from all the other dental schools? I was attracted to become part of the faculty because I recognized the unique methodology by which we taught. And I really enjoyed the humanistic approach. I know that the philosophy was first incorporated by Dr. Art Dugoni, who unfortunately just passed away um, at the University of Pacific. And we had some faculty members and deans who had attended that school. I found that being able to teach my students like they were colleagues is a much more effective means to get information across and to accelerate growth as a student than old school, uh, you know, boot camp type of teaching, which unfortunately most of the older professors <laughs> experienced. Um, I loved the philosophy of Midwestern where we had the best of everything for the students to use. There was no compromise on quality. And I liked the type of students that seemed to be attracted to that as well. They really wanted to learn. They were happy. Um, they were, um, they engaged me the same way that I was able to engage them. Like they weren't afraid to come up and ask a question. And uh, I, I just, that, that whole atmosphere was phenomenal. So when I walked in, um, I was really attracted to it. My plan was not to work full time. <laughs> I had retired and um, uh, it kind of grew on me really quickly. So I started as a two day a weeker on a D2. So I had the first D2 class. So I have I've taught every student that graduated in some manner. And, uh, and they just, they asked me to add another day and then become full-time. So by, from August to April, I went from two days a week to full-time, but willingly, and I've never turned back. It's been a great ride. So, so, so I, sorry, I misspoke in, in that first question. I thought you had only seen all the dental students prior to the inaugural class, but you've really seen every dental student. So that's even better. Yeah. Um, so how can a first-year dental student, specifically a first-year dental student, get the most out of Midwestern in that first year? Well, let's start with debt. <laughs> you got 100 Gs in debt. Own that. Realize that what you're paying for may not, it's more than you maybe would have paid at a state school. We're going to our goal as faculty is to give you more than that. And the way we do that is by just being available. Um, I, by making, uh, making, giving the student every opportunity to be the best they can be by fostering an attitude, an attitude that I'm here to learn, um, an attitude that I have amazing faculty to teach that there's multiple faculty and that, Right now, our student-faculty ratio in the sim clinic is like 2.5 to 1. It's insane. Um, 
you have an opportunity to find someone who you jive with. Um, I think that a D1 student should first reach out to their succeed coach, get to know their succeed coach. The succeed coaches are busy. They're all of our full-time faculty. They're here to, they want to, they want to get to know you. Um, they're there to offer help and guidance as you move along. Um, not just when there's a problem, but ideally, you know, find a mentor. That should be your first mentor in dental school is your succeed coach. Um, secondly, your bench faculty. Um, get to know them. Be nice. You know, ask them some questions about them. You know, people love to talk about themselves. So a great way to make to start any relationship off is to buy being interested. Um, they're going to ask you about you because they're teachers and that they do want to know about you. I would show engagement. That means coming prepared. It means doing your homework so that when you walk in, you know enough to be dangerous. You know enough to ask the questions about the things you don't understand. Um, I think that realizing early on that you're going to need to do a lot of extra work in the simulation clinic and not to fall behind academically. Um, and that's a different road for every student. Each student has a different capacity to learn, a different style of learning. Um, and dental school is going to throw a lot of information at you really fast. And you've got to figure out how to funnel out the things that are not important and retain the things that are important. And hopefully before the first couple of exams are over, you kind of figure that out. In order to learn, I would put study groups together. I mean, I know a lot of us are individual minded people, but I do believe that group learning in this kind of environment is really important. I would learn how to teach the material. If you can learn the Bayesian material, the dental, the OHS material to the level where you can teach it to someone else, you will be in a much better place than if you just try to memorize and don't memorize. You've got to learn the stuff. There are certain things, obviously, that are rote memorization, but when it comes to dentistry, Everything we're teaching you, you have to know forever, for the most part. You know, tooth anatomy. I'll never forget, I had a D2 student about three years ago. We asked a surprise question on a sim, on a sim clinic practical critical thinking exam about tooth anatomy. And the student didn't get the question right. And they said, that was D1 year. And I said, I hope you understand that teeth are forever. <laughs> You've got to know this stuff. So I want you to, I want the students to understand there's things you need to know. And this is not a, a you know undergrad, um, you know, cultural anthropology course where you got to memorize something, you know, you're here to learn, you're here to memorize, you're here to learn the material to a usable level, to a level where you can apply it. And that's going to take some time. And like I said earlier, it's going to, it's going to depend on the student to figure out how much time that takes. But I also believe kind of strongly, absolutely strongly that you also have to have some me time in your day. And I think it's very important to figure out a balance because it's very, it's very easy for first-year dental students to become imbalanced by the end of the first semester where they're just only focusing on learning. It's high stakes. You're spending a lot of money. You've invested a lot of time and a lot of energy to get where you are and you want to be successful. Dental students always have a tendency to be those type A, you know, academic students. And I think it's important to stay that way, but also to realize, you know, you got to do some things for you. My personal philosophy in dental school was they owned me from Sunday afternoon till Friday afternoon. And I owned my time from Friday <laughs> afternoon to Sunday afternoon that I know that only worked for me. Um, but that was my philosophy in dental school. And I still, 
it still held true in my practice. I, every day at lunch, I left the office with my partners. We went to lunch every single day. We might've talked about business, but I do believe that finding a balance in your day and in your week and in your month so that you are, you're working hard and playing hard or, you know, physically working and resting, whatever that balance is for you, whether it's meditation or yoga or physical exertion, or just downtime chilling in front of television, or you got a family, you've got to spend some family time. You've got me time. Uh, you've got work school time. So you've got to figure out what works for you, but you've got to find balance. Also, mm -hmm. though, understanding that too much lopsided balance towards the me time can really throw your dental schooling out of whack. And that's that's not a good place to be. I always tell students, I equate it to rolling a snowball. For those of you that grew, I grew up in Pennsylvania, we had great snow in the winter to make snowmen. Let's say you're going to make a snowman and you're rolling a ball of snow and it just keeps bigger as you're rolling it. Let's say you're on a hill. I want to be pushing the snowball down the hill. I don't want the snowball getting bigger behind me, pushing me down the hill. And that difference in the sense of that is really important as a dental student to be pushing that snowball. So you're managing it. It's not managing you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Dr. Kramer, so second year in dental school is a lot different than first year. You're doing a lot of rotations. Um, it's more dental focused. Uh and you're, you're working on more complex procedures. What advice would you give second year students to maximizing their time um, and access to new resources uh, one, during their second year? Number one, understand that your OHS courses are relevant. They're relevant for the rest of your career. They, of course, are not learn it, spit it out, forget it. Because it's, it's all what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So understand, though, that dental science changes. And I want students to understand that in their life, they're going to have to be lifelong learners. Um, I think we do a good job of promoting that. And that you also have to be a critical thinker in your as you assess the resources from which you choose to learn. So there are amazing resources out there. It's kind of funny. I've had students say, well, you taught us how to do this for this preparation on this crown. But I saw this YouTube video and so-and-so says that we should do it this way. I'm going to tell second-year dental students, sit back, learn it the way that we teach you first. We've put a lot of time and energy into our methodology of teaching. There's a, there's a reason that we do everything master doing all of the procedures the way that we've taught you with the burrs that we've taught you. And once you've mastered that, you can get an A on a practical on that, then reach out to the YouTube channels and the ether world to figure out other ways that people do things. So you're going to have to follow along with our system. We've thought it through. It seems to work very well. We're welcome. We welcome your suggestions, but don't try to rock the boat and invent a different way to do dentistry. We've been doing dentistry in the, since, the, you know, forever, not, not the faculty, but dentistry has been done for a long time. And we've kind of narrowed it down to probably best ways for you to learn out of the gate. So listen to us and um, really pay attention to the teaching material that we give you. Um, preview the material before you come into the sim clinic. You will learn better. Same thing sits for lectures. Review the lecture before you come in. Then when you're listening to the lecture, it helps your brain sink it in. And it gives you an opportunity then to understand what you don't, figure out what you don't understand and to ask questions if you're attending the lectures. 
I would tell you to attend lectures right now. We're at a unique time with COVID where, you know, students are saying, oh, I'm going to rather sit in my PJs and have a cup of coffee and not wear a mask and watch the lectures whenever I want. And, you know, I think that's all going to change as this COVID protocol changes, but it helps to be in lecture. I can tell you that. Um, and I, it gives you an opportunity to ask a lecturer a question at the end. Um, so I do think that being physically present as well as just mentally present is important. Just being in the lecture and shopping on Amazon Prime is probably not helping you a whole lot. But um, I do believe that being an engaged student is probably the most beneficial thing that you can do. And lastly, for D2 students, you're going to have to spend time practicing. You, just because you got it right the first time probably means you got lucky. So it's called the practice of dentistry for a reason, and it means you need to keep practicing because the second time you do it might not come out as good. The third time might be worse, and maybe it's the fourth or fifth time that you start to really get it. Don't fake your way through this, guys. Don't use indirect vision or don't use direct vision when you use indirect vision. Learn to work in a mirror. Don't fake it till you make it. You can't fake it till you make it. Our second year students are going live with, with an expectation that they're above above average students walking into the clinic. So take it seriously, treat Dexter like your patient, learn proper ergonomics, learn proper hand positions, um, try to do your best all the time, never settle for, well, it was good enough and I've got a lot to do. Always strive to improve yourself every day. I tell students, try to learn something new every day and try to get better at something every day. By the time you're fourth year, by the time you're my age, you actually get pretty okay at everything. So that's my advice for second years. Yeah, that's really great advice. Thanks for sharing it with us. We really appreciate it. Um, we definitely should remember all those things and always strive to improve on them. I wanted to ask you more about Simulation Lab and go back to what you were saying about um, practicing. Um, we know that some people may be a little bit more naturally gifted with their hand skills, and some people may have to work at it a little bit more. In your time watching all the students go through simulation clinic, how much uh, would you think is based on natural ability and how much is based on hard work? And then if, if you find that you are struggling uh, with your hand skills, what would you say is some practical advice um, for, for improving that? The first is self-assessment. So... You need to be a dental student who who's willing to recognize that you're not doing as well as you might think and accepting that and then pursuing help. Don't be a dental student who's just kind of quiet, hides behind the bushes and says, well, I'll come out during the practical and, you know, maybe I'll do okay. Our goal as Midwestern dental faculty is to make you as awesome as your potential will allow you to be. For those students, I have watched students who struggle in sim clinic early on and then got the help and had the personal inspiration to try to get better and they've become amazing clinicians i've seen students who were b students in the sim clinic get to patient care and for some reason when they go to the real actual human care jump another grade level they become amazing clinicians i've never really seen someone go backwards unless they were afraid of dealing with the human being. And that's something that that's a whole different ballgame than hand skill. Ask a lot of questions. Always be willing to get better. 
have honest self-assessment. Ask for peer assessment. That's not something we do at our university as a grade step, but don't be afraid to ask your benchmates to look at your work. Look at other people's work. One of the only thing, unfortunate things that I think peer assessment is extremely valuable because in the simulation clinic, if you don't do that, all you ever see is your work and like Dr. Lucas's ideal work. And that can be very hard for some people who don't feel adequate. So look at your benchmates work, have a pact with them. Like, look, we're not going to be, we, we, let's be honest with each other. We're not going to be mean, but we can be honest. Like, hey, this, yeah, you know, this is better than that. And maybe you can improve here and say, hey, how do you do that? Let me see how you hold your handpiece. Work as a team. It's really important. Don't be the, don't wait for your instructor to come over to say, how can I help you? Go to your instructor, say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Or if your instructor does come by, don't say, oh, I'm fine. Say, look, I'd really like to get some help with this. If you're a left-handed student, get a left-handed instructor to show you. If you're right-handed, you can ask anybody, but make sure you got a right-handed person showing you all the fine details. Know, know the instruments you're using. Know why they're designed, for what purpose. They all have a purpose. They all pro have a proper use. Um, be the, I tell the students all as well. You have a large burr block. I always say, know your burrs. I say, be the burr. Because if you can be the burr, it's a, it goes back to like the karate kid, you know. If you can be the burr, you know where the burr is inside the tooth. And you don't need to look at the prep. You just know where it is. And that's where we get to that Zen level at some point in time. And you'll all hit it, but you know what you're doing without actually taking lots of time to take the burr out and, and, and look at what you're doing. Um, practice, you've got to practice. You've got to do the, it's called the practice of dentistry for a reason. And that means you're in there extra time. Students who just say, well, I did one, I got it graded. You know, you might fly by and I've watched students fly by. I don't, I want, I want you to be the dentist that your patient wants working on them. And I don't want you to be my student dentist if I'm volunteering to be a dental institute patient who was did one class two and got it right the first time and didn't practice. I want you to have a skill set that you can replicate that is above average. It's why we ask for 84% or better in the, on our daily projects. Um, you know, it's all about your competency. And I think that it's really important that you, you attain a level of that before you go live with patients. And I just did the demo for the D1s on their first class one prep this morning. And I told them flat out, I said, that tooth is sacred. The patient doesn't grow enamel back at this stage in the game. Maybe someday, someday science will allow us to be able to do that. But they only have that one tooth. We're not going to grow another mandibular first molar in the same place, in the same shape as the patient's tooth. So you have to have a high level of respect for your patient's um, uh, tooth and treat it that way and do the best that you possibly can all the time. Hmm. Dr. Kramer, you've seen every single dental student go through Midwestern thus far. What common characteristics do the most successful students have in common? It's a great question. I think it's also, I think first thing we have to do is what's the measure of success for the struggling dental student out of the gate success is passing a practical. 
And that's a, you know, setting a goal for yourself that's achievable is the first thing. And I have watched students who struggled out of the gate become amazing clinicians because I think they set achievable goals, little bite-sized goals. I've got some students that will come through who have naturally gifted hands. Is it fair to the benchmate next to them when that student cuts a, a four, a five out of five on every portion of the grading schema? No, it's not, but it's great for the student who has that. For that student, keep getting better. Keep challenging yourself um, and teach others. I think that being a teacher helps you be the best you can possibly be. Um, always achieve, always try to achieve more. And if you, if you, as a D2 student, are doing really well and you're done ahead of time, ask the faculty to give you something more difficult to do. We have CAD CAM. We always have extra things for the dental student to do. The thing that I think makes clinical success then in the D3 and the D4 year is interest. I, I like and I have always appreciated my engaged students, the excited student, the driven student and driven doesn't mean, you know, Dr. Kramer, I got, I got, I got a 99.95 on my project. I want the other 0.05. It's, it's, you know, I did well, give me some good feedback on how I can get better. Is there any, you know, ask the faculty to pick it apart. You might've got a great grade, but maybe there's something you can improve on. Um, when you get to clinical care, there's so many levels of, measurable success. And, and I think we have to define that. Was my preparation amazing? Was my restoration amazing? Was my ability to achieve dental anesthesia? Was it painless? Was it was the onset quick? Did I not have to give a second injection? Did I choose the right anesthetic agent where the patient was numb the whole time? You know, did I did my partner and I work in an efficient manner to deliver the care so the patient didn't waste their day? Did I work efficiently with my CCC or my CCF um, in planning the case? Was I prepared for the appointment? Did I think about everything I might need? Did I have it readily available for me chairside? The same goes in the SIM clinic. Did I get out? Did I think about the procedures I was going to do that day? Did I get out only the instruments that I had? Did I think about the sequence of the instruments that I was going to use? Did I lay them out in the sequence that I was going to use them so that I didn't have to reach or search or go back into my drawers so that my procedure was as proficient as it could have been? Did I limit excessive things so that I could get it done with a minimal amount, with a maximum output? Um, do I understand the materials that I'm using? Do I understand why the preparation is designed the way that it is for the restorative material that may have gone into the tooth? Have I mastered the handpiece? Is my indirect vision good? So all of those kind of questions, those are the things I would hope you're self-assessing all day long. And that's what helps those outstanding students become more outstanding. But number one, be, be here for the right reason in dental school. I've got students who thought, ah, mom and dad said I should be a dentist or ah, dentists make a lot of money. It's a, it looks like a good profession. Understand what you got into. This is hard work. It requires 110% focus and effort all day long. And if that's too much, you better, you got to think about it. I mean, I, I can tell you that it is, it is a long day in the office. Um, you can find great joy and pleasure in a long day um, by your patient interaction and the success of your outcomes and the 
paycheck you could get at the end of the week or the just the, the joy you get from owning a, a successful business. There's a lot of things that can come out of that, making, creating a beautiful smile and watch your patient enjoy that at the end of the day. There's a lot of little things that, that measure success. Um, it can be getting a good grade at the end of the day it, in the sim clinic. Um, with that results in maybe grabbing a Top Gun or a, top, a Wingman Award. I mean, lots of ways to gather success. And we all will measure that. But find find that joy, create some joy, create some re personal reward and satisfaction for whatever it is you're doing in the day. And that will help motivate you for tomorrow. It can get long and tedious in dental school. And I think for you guys, my third and fourth year dental students, you kind of look back at the first two years and even though they seem like they went on for eternity, in the long run, they went really fast. And I hope, I hope that's a, the, the net effect everyone, and you get done with dental school and you go, wow, where did those four years go? But you also feel really well prepared well, better prepared than your colleagues at other dental schools so that you can walk out and, and be successful while you still learn, but never stop learning. That's the key to long-term success. Thank you. I, I love that. That's great advice. Um, you talked about being a business owner a little bit in, in your comments mm -hmm. and um, different measures of success. And we know that you uh, were very successful in private practice and, and have a lot of experience there. So we wanted to ask how us dental students now, uh, whether we're in preclinical second year, first year, or whether we're in the clinic third and fourth year, how can we prepare now if we want to go on and, you know, a lot of people do want to own a practice. Um, so what can we do to prepare now to be better practice owners in the future? I think what's amazing now is all of the information that's at your fingertips online. I, I wish I could go back and start over. It'd be dangerous, man. Just dangerous. Because that's, you know, podcasts. No, that stuff was around. You kind of had to wing it. I would, I would um, encourage everyone to find some mentors in business, dentists who are, might have been your hometown dentist that you went to or somebody, um, someone that you can ask questions to. Dentists will share their information with you. So find a mentor of five or ten. Um, ask a lot of questions. Um, podcasts are great. Look at Dental Nachos. I listen to that a lot because a lot of my our students are on it, um, former students. Um, understand, try to figure out what it is you want out of dentistry. We're not all cut out to be business owners and that's perfectly fine. A measure of success for some of you might be, hey, I got a four day a week job, five day a week job as an associate. I don't have to think about anything. I show up at 7.45, we have a team meeting, we start at 8, I go home at 5 and I'm done. For some people, that's an amazing success. I got through dental school, I'm a doctor, I have a nice life balance, I don't have to deal with my, I don't have to deal with employees or taxes or ordering supplies or any of this stuff. I don't have to worry about referral sources and all that stuff. I don't have to worry about getting patients or doing podcasts myself, you know, market my practice. Some of you will be very business savvy. You'll love doing podcasts. You'll love getting out in the, in the community to grow your practice. You'll write articles. You will reach out to the, the specialists in your area. You'll go to lunch with them. You'll grow a business. You'll find pride and joy in being a business owner as much as a doctor. But there's, you know, you have to learn like what's a business plan? Um, what's involved in hiring somebody, what's involved in firing somebody, what's involved in 
um, HIPAA laws and FERPA laws and, you know, all, uh, how do I pay payroll taxes? There's a lot of questions out there. If that excites you, learn as much as you can. I will challenge all the dental students to not be so concrete in your D1 year that you think you know exactly what it is you want. Life changes. My life changed dramatically at 44. Um, I was in the midst of a booming giant practice and got hit with a tumor in my spinal cord and I had neurosurgery and I was retired in two weeks, unknowingly. Un I planned well um, financially, but it wasn't a career choice that I made for myself or would have planned. But I also learned that you also in life, you have to be flexible. And I think flexibility in your choices is really important. Um, and thank, thank goodness, you know, um, uh, I learned that I, at teaching was, I had always taught, I knew I loved it. And I, I was able to find a second career that was very beneficial and also just generally rewarding um, intellectually, financially, energetically um, in teaching. So be flexible. Don't be set in stone. You don't know where life is going to take you um, and roll with it. I, I think that's a great life lesson. Um, but I would also try to start to make some plans. Where do you want to live? What kind of practice do you think you might want to have? Do you want to own a practice? Do you want to be in a solo practice? Do you want to be in a group practice? You don't know those things unless you experience them. I'd ask to shadow in a practice or 10. Um, dentists come in all shapes and sizes. You know, we have everything from their personal lives to their interests, their their personal interests, their practice, their type of procedural interests. There's cosmetic dentists and pediatric dentistry and implant dentistry and surgery and general dentistry where you do it all and endodontics. And there's a big world out there. I think that's the coolest thing about dentistry is there's a lot of opportunity, but you don't know what you don't know. So my challenge to all of you is to know as much as you can know and always try to learn more. And then take what you do know and make your best guess. Because sometimes in life, they are best guesses. I, I got an opportunity to get into a, my chosen residency for um, a general practice residency out of school. But a business opportunity came in, came in at the last minute and I took it because it was an amazing opportunity from a business standpoint. And I knew that I would never have it if I didn't jump at it. So I jumped at it and I never looked back. Be able, you know, sometimes in life, you also have to take some risks. I have no problem personally taking risks. I've taken a lot of them. Um, and that sometimes the risk has a reward and there's risk reward ratios. I wasn't afraid to take a big financial risk, but luckily the financial risk paid off. Um, you know, some of you will take baby bites in risk. It means that that growth might be equally as a, a, a baby bite growth. That's not a bad thing. It's just the way that life goes. So I would say be optimistic, be excited, um, be knowledgeable, use all of the resources that are out there. And it is never, ever too early for you to reach out to dentists in an area where you think you might want to practice and just start connecting and forming a network. All the dentist can do is say, no, I'm not interested right now. Or now, nah, you know, call me when you're a fourth year, ah, call me when you're out. Just keep marketing. Your most important thing right now is marketing yourself. Don't be a pain in their butt. Don't call them every day. But, you know, I would I would strategize a, a way to get your name out there in the business world, the dental world and say, hey, hey, world, I'm coming to get you. So I'm coming to join you. I'm coming to open a practice. I'm going to be there and I want to be a part of your world. So can I join it? And I think that's a great way you'll find you'll find that dentists are really amazing that way. 
Thanks for sharing that, Dr. Kramer. Uh, our last question, super quick, is if you could get one message, phrase, or motto through to every dental student, what would that be? Find your purpose, be excited and engaged, find, an, find some energy you can light into yourself, Utilize your resources, take advantage of it, and be very positive about your potential because it's amazing. Well, great. Thank you so much, Dr. Kramer, for sharing sharing that. We could go on and on, but unfortunately, <laughs> we ran out of time. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate your time, and we um, appreciate everyone listening to this episode today and join us again next week for another episode of the indirect vision podcast.